0: From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world.
1: Happy New Year. Congress is back and so are we. After a busy year that saw a turnover in House leadership, a two-year budget deal, and fiery debates over issues like abortion and immigration, could 2016 bring more? Or will the rhetoric of the presidential and congressional campaigns leach out the substance and bring us nothing but a series of messaging votes? I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ Roll Call Chief Content Officer David Ellis. So, last year was surprisingly productive, and I wonder, can we expect anything close to that in the crucible of a presidential election, or did the lawmakers just effectively clear the decks?
0: Well, on the most important issues, which is how Congress uh, disposes of our taxpayer money, they have cleared the decks. We are free and clear for on a two-year cycle. But what will happen, it will be style, not substance. Uh, Paul Ryan's challenge in 2016 is to be seen as moving the ball down the field, but maybe never crossing the line on any contentious issue. He's done a good
1: job of uniting his pretty fractious caucus, bringing in a, a kind of a kitchen cabinet to consult on things. I, I wonder if the Freedom Caucus really wields as much influence on in some of these matters or or whether this is kind of a showy way of getting everyone to just disagree
0: in private. He did a very good job of keeping the disagreements in private, but I think it was also the honeymoon. And the uh, it's time to pack up your bags, get on the plane, and get back to reality. Some of that will happen in 2016. And that's why, as you mentioned in your introduction, message votes. There'll be a series of accommodations uh, on spending, on national security, and some social issues that probably have very little likelihood of ever reaching Obama's desk.
1: As you mentioned, uh, we've seen two recent big budget deals, the Ryan-Murray deal and the one that was struck last year. And this has in my view, effectively institutionalized two-year budgeting, which maybe isn't such a bad thing. Um, Assuming we continue to have divided government, is this
0: going to be the new normal? I think so. And you look at the two factors there, Ryan and Ryan, and also negotiations behind closed doors. That is probably the new normal. The setting of the budget a month ago was done in very close cooperation with the White House. Uh, people admitted as much the minute they passed the deal. And on appropriations and on the omnibus, um, there was a lot of toing and fro between not only lawmakers themselves and various power interests up on the Hill, but clearly the way that went down with Little Hitch or pushback from Josh Earnest or the president himself is an indication that at every point of the way, there was a clear signal open to the White House as to what they could stomach and what they wouldn't stomach. And whatever the red lines were, we didn't read about them. They didn't talk about them, but they, both parties knew what they were. This two-year budgeting also
1: is one of these eye-of-the-beholder things. Uh, some people think that it should constitute what we've seen so far, where they're just setting top-line figures and leaving the uh, the line-by-line business to the appropriators. Some think that they should go as far down as, as working through every one of the spending bills. Uh, this fascinates me a bit because uh, this has the potential to marginalize uh, once-powerful appropriators. It used to be the coolest
0: thing in Congress to be on that committee. Well, you know, the um, Freedom Caucus and uh, various regional interests have pushed back on Ryan in the time that he was, quote-unquote, reluctantly contemplating becoming Speaker. They want more accommodation. They want more considerations for committee posts. They want more uh, power, essentially. So in one of those scenarios, they have less. Uh, But I I take it, Adriel, you were really excited. That's a real budget wonks uh, excitement. I think for uh, the outside world, however they work the accommodation, I think we may see the politics behind the policy. It may well be that Paul Ryan has made those accommodations on paper, but when power is wielded, the mechanism of a two-year budget uh, takes away the power that these appropriators once had and obviously they're not going to be wielding that power publicly because even if they are in the game even if they are in the conversation if even if they all are holding one ace apiece uh, it was done in private this, this chipping away of the traditional power struck is just Fascinates me, and I, I think that's going
1: to be just a, a current of our coverage through this coming year.
0: Well, also where the money goes. I think if you're a CQ client, you may know more by reading our stuff than some of the lawmakers themselves about the nitty-gritty about where the money goes. And I think that's will be the vital coverage area for us uh, in 2016 and beyond. So, So budget
1: wonks are happy already with this discussion, but let's talk about what else could Congress conceivably do if they get off the messaging votes?
0: Well, um, there's probably one issue where both sides don't agree on the details, but agree on the generality, and that's taxes, specifically corporate taxes. Chuck Schumer and uh, some Republican lawmakers have already talked about a plan and proposed the outer details of bringing back corporate uh, profits at a lower tax rate. Uh, Obviously, there are some uh, lawmakers, and I think a few presidential candidates on the Republican side who'd like to have that almost virtually eliminated. And there were many ideas about what to do with that money, how you could close uh, deficits or actually increase spending. Um, The the marriage here in this particular proposal is to bring the money back at a lower rate and invest in infrastructure. Uh, So that's a conversation that will be taking place. Will there be a law coming out of it? Probably not. But it may be the one subject that has the most chance of a accommodation moment and a piece of legislation before the president leaves.
1: Ryan Beck, before he was Speaker, when he was just the House's top tax writer, wanted to use an international tax overhaul to pay for a highway bill. That, that never happened. But uh, that is going to unleash some fascinating uh, lobbying, some money in politics stories. Uh, the companies that have billions of dollars overseas in profits, uh, you know, going from Apple to the drug companies. I mean, there's enormous interest in this thing.
0: And, and you mentioned Apple just the other day. Uh, Tim Cook pushed back on the notion that Apple is a tax dodger. Uh, I'm I'm not really clear of the details of his argument because Apple is sitting on a massive pile of cash and moves a lot of its uh, profits through places like Ireland, which have a a, a very low tax rate. In fact, Ireland's cutting its tax rate even further. So it'll be more of a haven for American-based companies uh, to uh, get more of their money back. But anyway, Tim Cook's public reaction to this rap on Apple clearly indicates that corporate interests are um, sensitive to this. And when you talk about lobbying, we often think about Lobbying efforts being to uh, being deployed to stop something. It may well be that people like Tim Cook and and uh, Jeff Immelt of uh, GE will be pushing Congress to get a deal done. Uh, I think a deal that where their interests are protected is better than no deal at all because this is a reputational problem for them.
1: We've seen that in some regulatory debates, too, where they'd rather have the certainty than than have this thing circulating, having proposals out there, having a moving target for two or three times.
0: With drug approvals, correct?
1: Precisely. Tobacco, we've seen this in the past. So, of course, hanging in the background is the prospect of any sort of a large-scale terrorist attack that could swamp all these other issues. Uh, We know how that triggered a, a furious Passionate debate over refugees last year. Um, a lot of times, at least in our coverage, it also circles back to the long running debate over cybersecurity, the increasing use of, of the internet, other high tech tools uh, that we're seeing in the Middle East. Um, do you sense that that debate is coming off its traditional pivot point, the security versus civil liberties, or are we still kind of hanging there?
0: we we lurched back and forth i think there was a relitigation of the snowden revelations post paris there's a lot of controversy as to whether or not the san bernardino uh, terrorists would have been captured with uh, greater scrutiny of, uh, of uh, private messages um, at first blush we had inaccurate reports that they were posting on facebook that's not the case the president in his year end Press conference uh, pointed out that private messages are intrinsically more difficult to uh, cull through and identify. So that conversation will continue, and I think it will intensify and ebb based on what we're facing. There will always be terrorist attacks. There will probably be one of the things we go into this new year, uh, even with great optimism, is the assurance that terrible things will happen in the world, and some of them will be visited upon us maybe within our borders um, it's also a big political issue. Whether we have a peaceful time in, in, a, in, in the United States um, it will not matter when it comes to the political stump in 2016. There will be uh, calls from the large Republican field for uh, greater intrusion into uh, privacy in some people's view, including Rand Paul's. Um, and there will be also calls for um, deeper military action. So on security issues, some of it's reactive, but some of it's um, permanent. And uh, that debate probably intrinsically can never be solved. We're heading
1: into the president's final year. Are there any legacy issues do you think he'd still be willing to deal on? I think no. What do you think? Well, here's an early sign. Uh, as soon as the House comes back, they're taking up this reconciliation bill that would gut large portions of Obamacare and, and cut out Planned Parenthood funding for a year. The Rules Committee is taking that up on Tuesday, January 5th. Interesting and potentially ominous prelude to, to a, a year if you're looking to have a lot of deal-making. But, but
0: that's, that's more messaging, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the president is not going to... Uh, accommodate any gutting of his legacy. I mean, he's he's in the fourth quarter. He said he's going to leave it all on the field. I guess that's a football metaphor rather than a basketball metaphor. And there's no way he's going to uh, find common cause for something that blunts his legacy. And in fact, I think he's already made the concession: the two-year delay in the Cadillac tax, the tax to help fund Obamacare on on high value. Uh, medical plans that was opposed both the Republicans and unions. Um, that was in the bill. Uh, th- it's unlikely that the, the medical device tax was targeted. So I, I, I see the Obamacare concessions already having taken place. Within a month, we'll find out how many people signed up for health care. Uh, as we end the year, it's $8.3 million, according to uh, Sylvia Burwell. Um, so There'll be positive messaging coming out of the Obama White House on health care sign-ups. I think the uninsured rate is now down to 10 percent or even may go lower than that. Unlikely that President Obama will put his pen on any bill uh, gutting anything further.
1: He agreed to suspend, depending on how you count, between 32 and $35 billion worth of taxes that are supposed to fund his signature legislative achievement now the white house says well no uh the legislative achievement the coverage expansion is already underway this is just going to swell the deficit
0: by the way what was the republican message on pay for uh
1: they, they conveniently you know it was attached to a must-pass spending and tax bill at the end of the year and you know those so kind of. so when it comes
0: are- when it comes to obamacare you don't have to pay for it you can just hate it <laughs>
1: So, all right, if if there's no deal-cutting on a legacy, he's going to settle for
0: executive orders and, and the bully pulpit then? Well, he's already done that. I think he set aside more federal land and, and water uh, before, before his last year in office than any other president before him. Um, I think we're heading towards, and we've seen real strong signals from the White House, that he feels there's some unfinished business on guns. Yep. What he can do, how radical he can be, how much he can tie up the next president with executive orders on guns, remains to be seen. But there has been uh, a strong signal through Valerie Jarrett, so you know it's coming from the president himself, that they are examining every course open to them. But remember, after Newtown didn't lead to any changes, even in the uh, hands of the trusted vice president, uh, the president didn't wield the pen on that. There are things he can do, uh, perhaps on uh, the Pentagon's purchase of bullets, uh, but that's that's that would be a very very major move. You know, asking for traceable bullets, uh, restricting there's some executive order capability on rest, uh, access to assault weapons. But it's this is unexplored territory, and I think the reaction is almost preordained to be that the president is overreaching. There'd be an instant move to the courts on whatever he did. We saw that with his executive orders on immigration. So this could be a very explosive issue. Having said that, Hillary Clinton has staked out a position of attack on unrestricted gun ownership. So it wouldn't leave the front runner of his own party at sea, she would have to be supportive, and who knows what conversations are going on between the Clinton campaign and the Obama White House. If Paul Ryan's Speaker's office and Barack Obama's White House can coordinate a tricky subject, uh, I suspect that uh, the President and the person he perceives to be his successor might be able to uh, coordinate a message too. Well, that'll certainly be one of many areas we'll be looking at next
1: year. CQ Roll Call Chief Content Officer David Ellis, thanks for your time today. I'm Adriel Bettelheim, thanking you for listening. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud.